You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, August 8th. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You may follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, that's J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, P-E-N-O, and then at L-O underscore Padres for exclusively tweets about the Padres games and whatnot. I did a lot of tweeting past few days. Let me tell you, ever since the Soto deal, didn't do a lot of tweeting um, this time. Let me tell you, folks, I didn't do it. You know why? Because there wasn't much to tweet about. The Padres got their buttocks spankity-wankity'd and thrown off a cliff this weekend. By the Los Angeles Dodgers, guys. We got to talk about the series. Give the old weekend recap. Been a while since I've done one of these. Not really. I think I did it like last week. But still, let's pretend it's been a while. Because, folks, you know what else it's been a while since? The Padres beat the damn Dodgers. They have basically had no success since against the Dodgers since the second half of 2021. Now, granted, they haven't. Uh, they didn't have a lot of success against anyone in the second half of 2021. But the Dodgers particularly, it's been rough. It's been rough. Um... I think that a lot of this series you can chalk up to, as someone replied to my tweet last night, saying, like, look, let's get give these guys a minute to play with each other. And I know that baseball is an individualistic sport. I know that it's usually, you know, something that we, we don't point to, oh, the chemistry has to always be on. But I have to believe that some amount, even if minute, even if marginal, has something to do with the Padres' success with Soto and Drury and no Eric Hosmer anymore and Josh Bell and Josh Hader, like a lot of new things. And not to mention, Eric Hosmer is allegedly, and from what I understand, a really great clubhouse guy. So it does have to be at least worked out a little bit uh, that a lot of new guys playing for each other. They got to learn how to mesh and whatnot. That's totally fine. But even still, with all the hype, with all the momentum, for you to go out and get swept by the Dodgers was really rough. And it wasn't even in a convincing way. Last year, to start off the the rivalry against the Padres and Dodgers, they actually put up a decent fight. That's what had the famous diving catch from, from Mookie Betts, where he dives the ball and then pounds his chest, right? Like, they felt like competitive games and whatnot. You had the game where Profar and Clayton Kershaw got into it. This felt like the Dodgers were saying, oh, please, like, give me a break. Y'all ain't nothing. And the Padres proved that sentiment right, if it is true. In the first game, they lost 8-1 to one behind a start from Mr. Tony Gonsolin, who I talked about on this podcast as being a guy that, hey, in the future, in the playoffs, we'll see. We'll see if he keeps it up. I think he'll regress a little bit. But Tony Gonsolin, I actually thought was going to be pretty great last year, but clearly he was banged up last year. He's got some decent whiff stuff. Not a whole lot of strikeouts, but this year, 2.3 ERA, whip below 1. Can't argue with that. He goes six, 5 innings. No earned runs, three hits, a walk, and six Ks. There was a moment where I thought the Padres had been getting a little bit unlucky with some ground balls maybe not going their way, but especially a hot shot from Juan Soto off the bat that unfortunately went right to the first baseman and doubled up May Machado, who was on first. So a little bit of some unlucky things, in my opinion, from the Padres in that first game. Bottom line is you still got to hit more. You got to hit against guys like David Price, who actually... 
David Price hasn't been that bad this year. 2.7 ERA. His whip is 1.3, but considering he's older and clearly past his prime, not too bad from um, uh, David Price, but Maranta, Bickford, you got to be able to hit these guys a little bit more. You cannot lose the way you did on that night. Maybe it's, you know, Vince Scully just passed away, so I kind of, you know, shouts to Dodgers fans. It must have been an emotional night, but even still, the Padres get their butts whooped. Uh, basically, nobody does anything in this game. We got two strikeouts from Kim, two from our boy Jorge Alfaro. We got a couple from Machado as well. But the biggest thing that we have to talk about about this game is Sean Manaya, my guy. Look, you all know me. Look at my hair. My hair is crazy. I'm a fan of the fluffy, puffy hair. Heck, I am wearing a shirt that features hair. You see that red stuff? It's not blood. Shout out Cowboy Bebop. If you've seen that show, you know who this is. Smiling, smiling lad there. All right? Man, was Sean Manai bad. He goes four innings, allowing eight earned runs on ten hits. He somehow manages to strike out seven, despite the amount of uh, uh, hits he gave up. And, geez, it was bad from the beginning. I mean, Manaya, look. Look, I still stand by my belief that it was a good trade. Let me be very clear. I still like the trade that the Padres made for Sean Manaya. I'm going to stand by that. This is not a take that I'm ashamed of in even the slightest. But it stinks that Hansel Alberto's hitting you. Cody Ballinger's hitting you. Chris Taylor's hitting you. It's like the third inning, and you're getting absolutely clobbered. Sean Manaya currently has an ERA of 4.74 and a whip of 1.32. This is becoming like a Blake Snell thing, right? Like, it's becoming really questionable. Even the strikeouts. I mean, he's he's got a decent strikeout rate, but... And I'm, I'm not saying this guy is Corbin Burns, but even that side of things hasn't been that impressive. Somehow, he gives up all these runs, and this is the most strikeouts he's had in forever, right? In fact, it's the most strikeouts he's had since the Arizona Diamondbacks start on June 29th, which also, coincidentally, was one of his last... Great starts. It's just really disappointing. A high four ERA, I don't care how many swings and misses you get. I don't care how many strikeouts you get. Bottom line is that's not good, and that's not going to cut it. I still stand by the trade being something that was really smart for the Padres. When Blake Snell goes down at the beginning of the season and Mike Clevenger, you probably it was smart to go out and get a starter, and he was pretty solid at the beginning of the year. And I like Manaya. I think that at best he is capable of having those really dominant starts where he's just getting a lot of sink, swing and misses on that sinker, but he also gives up a lot of hard contact. I wasn't worried because he was the Padres 4 or 5. That's why I stand behind the trade, and that's why I'm not freaking out. Because also Blake Snell has looked a lot better. So for me, this is a case of, dude, you just have to be okay, right? And if you want to beat the Dodgers and have a better record than some other teams that they're in the, the race for the playoffs for, just be okay. We're not asking you to be Clayton Kershaw. Heck, we're not even asking you to be Tyler Anderson. We're just asking you to be a middle-of-the-road, decent pitcher because this rotation's stacked at the top. But Manaya hasn't done that. And in fact... Uh, someone actually tweeted, responded to me, Cody, Ghost Runner on third, uh, actually responded to me saying, hey, unfortunately, Manaya always gasses out in August, which is true. And that was something I knew, but I didn't realize how bad it was. Here's Sean Manaya's ERA in August. In August, his August ERA every year of his career. 2016, 3.97. 2017, 9.17. 2018, 4.26. 2019, not applicable. He didn't pitch enough. 2020, 5.06, and 2021, one of his best seasons, 9.9. Wow, that is rough. Uh, 
if Manai is someone who's losing gas towards the end of the season to this degree, I get it. It's a long season. But heck, I was out here talking to you guys how much I was worried about you, Darvish, and that at his age, maybe it wasn't the sticky stuff last year. Maybe it was just that he's getting older. We need to be talking about Shamanaya. It's it's scary. It's scary because this is a guy who's always gotten hit hard, even when he's right. The difference now is that he's getting clobbered more than just getting hit hard. So hopefully he can uh, get a little bit better. But before we talk about some takeaways from the rest of the series, including a very funny quote from Mr. Manny Machado, our boy, guys, let me take a second to talk to you about finding the right person for the job. I don't know why I'm slamming the desk. I was just in a mood to trying to keep this podcast energy spicy for y'all. Let me tell you guys, as you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. Hey, that's also true for baseball. You need the right pitchers. That's why a bunch of people traded for pitchers. Montas, Castillo, Mally. There's all these pitchers traded around, right? That's why you need them. Guys, LinkedIn helps you with all the other stuff that you need when it comes to creating job posts. You can create a free one on LinkedIn in minutes to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then, then my friends, add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. They've got screening questions and all these sort of tools that help you find the right candidates with the right skills and experience so you can optimize who you'd like to interview and hire. And guess what, guys? LinkedIn jobs, they help you find candidates, right? Obviously, that you want to talk to faster, right? But did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockdownMLB. That's linkedin.com slash LockdownMLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's talk about Saturday's game, everybody. Let's talk about Saturday's game. Uh, It didn't fare better. And I thought that it was going to fare better. I would actually argue that this one was even worse. The Dodgers won this one 8-3 over the Padres. Again, really, really crummy uh, offensive showing from the team. With the exception of at the beginning, we got excited. Brandon Drury double. Jake Cronenworth gets a ground out. That allows a runner to score. And even Will Myers manages to smack a single through the infield. But I have to admit, even when the Padres did score there, there were some errors and some sort of lucky ground ball plays and sacrifice plays that led to those runs, right? So even the three runs, which is the most they scored in a single game in the series, I felt they got a little bit fortunate, right? They were just not hitting Padres pitching. You know, Soto reaches on an infield single, uh, and it was Gavin Lux's fielding error, actually, to be exact, that led to um, Josh Bell reaching. So... All that considered, yes, Brandon Drury had a nice RBI who started off his Padres career uh, fairly good so far, I will say. Um, that's not how you want to start, man. That is just a a really rough thing to look at when that was really the only way your offense scored. And in terms of the pitching side of things, it was good for a while. Mike Clevenger in this game, 4.2 innings pitched. He gave up five earned runs on seven hits, a walk in three Ks, but that wasn't until later on in the game when he gives up a huge home run to Max Money, the tr- money, Max Muncie, uh, the troll looking guy, the guardian of the, the mine of dwarves looking dude. Uh, I don't want to be mean to Max Muncie. I, 
don't really care. But uh, Max Muncy hits a three-run home run. Then Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, they have some sacrifice ERAs later. There's even a double from Cody Bellinger, who has a big series, actually, uh, including the next game on Sunday when he hit two home runs. So Cody Bellinger, if he's hitting you, considering that he's fallen off quite a bit in his career, that's really bad. Uh, so even when the Padres scored, I wasn't impressed, um, which says a lot about this lineup, right? You need more from this lineup uh, that you traded so many assets for. And again, it's still very early, right? There's no reason to be uh, super upset, right? It's just in knowing that, you know, you get the hype, right? You get all that hype and then you come out and have a stinker against the Dodgers, which is the series that so many people once pegged as the next Yankees Red Sox, right? Uh, just a really great rivalry. And even the energy wasn't there. You didn't even have the the smack talk. You didn't even have the, like, mm, like, you didn't have the fury. Not just because they lost, but you didn't even have the edge. And that was what was really rough, right? Uh, and that was what was frustrating. Mike Clevenger gave up some runs in this game. Granted, it's a really great team. The home run bit him, but for a lot of the game, up until that fourth inning, he'd been pretty untouchable. The Padres led at one point, which is kind of crazy to imagine, right? They led 3-2, and we were excited. We were like, all right, that's how you bounce back. But instead turn around, and you get absolutely bammed right in the face. So that's rough. Um, again, it is still very early, but I it's definitely, it felt like a little bit of a peak of a possible future. That's how I describe this series. Now, granted, you can look at any series and say that that's a peak behind the curtain into any number of outcomes, but it just looked like specifically these Dodgers pitchers had every Padres number for the most part, and they just couldn't compete right they looked kind of like if you guys watched the White Sox series last year against the Astros where the White Sox were so much more fun they're objectively the good guys in the series right Padres objectively the good guys in series they are the it team they are what's wow they're a sex appeal you know what I mean they are everything (laughs) I don't know why I'm getting into like a marketer like like a Tom Cruise and Tropic Thunder uh character right now but you know the Padres are the it team the White Sox were last year, and everyone was wondering, yeah, but can they compete with the best? Everyone's wondering the Padres, yeah, but can they compete with the Mets and the Braves and you know some of the other good teams, the Brewers and the Cardinals? I think they could absolutely compete with the Brewers and Cardinals. But the Mets, the Braves, and the Dodgers, it's not going to get easier no matter which lineup and especially what pitching you face. So that was what it felt like. It felt like the Padres had one of those series where you went out there and it was like, okay, everybody, slow down just a little bit. The team still has a lot of kinks in the armor uh, to sort of flesh out. Uh, and that's what I felt about with this series. Um, again, it was nice to see, though, Ranger, uh, Robert Suarez. Ranger Suarez, that's the guy in the Phillies. Sorry. Uh, Robert Suarez makes his return. He gives up an earned run, but also who cares? Nabil Krismat, he gives up uh, two runs, although they weren't earned. Adrian Morajon kind of makes an appearance here, who I think could hopefully, uh, for the Padres, be pretty solid as he gets back into the swing of things. So there's not too much to talk about with this game, uh, for the most part, aside from the fact the Dodgers, the Padres got their butts kicked. Um, I think that Clevenger... Again, I think that with this rotation, with Darvish, which with Musgrove, with Clevenger as it currently is, that's kind of the top three. It did feel like you're like, ah, I mean, do we feel great about that? If you head into a playoff series and say you have to face Atlanta and you're like, oh my God, they've got Freed. They've even got Charlie Morton who could be pretty good. There's that edge of do the Padres have a starting pitching that's built for the playoffs, which is very different than if you're built for the regular season. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. Could punch me in the face if you guys want. But then again, 
when have I ever been wrong? Aside from Trent Grisham, aside from maybe Shamanaya, aside from the Mike Clevenger trade, right? Like, like if you take out all the times I was wrong, right? I've always been right. So come on, guys. All right, let's figure this out. They've got time. And for anybody who's saying the Padres should have gotten a pitcher, that's no. It's not that they need a starting pitcher. Like, let's be clear. Do they wish that they had a better one than what they had, maybe? Do you wish you could swap aces around and whatnot? Maybe. But bottom line is their rotation is still in depth. If the Padres are need a starting pitcher, then every damn team needs a starting pitcher, right? Like, it's it's a hard position. You there's you can never have too much pitching. But anyway, guys, before we talk about the last game of the series and close this bad boy out before the Padres go ahead and face those San Francisco Giants, guys, let me talk to you. Say you want to make a little bit of a... Wager. Say you're feeling lucky. Say you think you're ready to put it all on the line. BetOnline.net, guys, is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one space, the number one place, number one source for odds, lines, and games. Obviously, not just baseball. They've got you on the NFL. You know, that's going to be starting up soon. NFL football palooza, right? You've got the NBA and Kevin Durant requesting... A trade or either that or I'm fired. I want everyone fired either way. Right? Like crazy stuff going on there. You got the NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Ladies and gentlemen, Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening. Bet Online, where the game starts. Mm-mm-mm. You guys ready to talk about Sunday stinker? Let's do it. In this game, the Padres lose 4-0 behind a pretty good, yet again, you Darvish start. He goes 6 in this game. He does give up 7 hits, which, again, it's the Dodgers lineup. It can be rough sometimes. 2 earned runs, no walks, which was really great, and 5 Ks. Again, Darvish's numbers on the year have been very, very good. 3.2 ERA and a whip at exactly 1. He looked good yet again. I think that, yes, there were some scary moments at the beginning of the game for sure with him. You were a little bit uh, concerned bottom of the third inning when Cody Bellinger starts hitting home runs off of you. You know it's bad. And then you also have another Cody Bellinger home run later on in the game. But for me, that's just what's going to happen when it feels like there was literally a time, guys. I'm not even – I forgot which inning it was. I forgot which inning it was. Let me see if it was the top of the second, I believe. I think it was the top of the second one. Josh Bell grounded out. Brandon Jury fouled out to the catcher. And Jake Cronenworth fouled out to the shortstop. I swear, I went outside to take out the trash and put it on the on the curb outside my house because we had to get it ready. To go to the mail, right? I had to go back inside real quick, get the keys, go in and put them in the little hole and unlock the box to get the mail. I get the mail. I come back inside. And I swear they're, they're already inside. was retired. The Padres put so many poor at-bats together in this game. They did not make Tyler Anderson work in the slightest, who, 
by the way, speaking of always being right, Tyler Anderson was one of the people that I really wanted the Padres to go after this offseason, along with Alex Cobb, who's been a little bit messy, and Alex Wood, who's been a little bit messy. But still, I said I wanted Tyler Anderson. Let me tell you, man. Uh, seven innings in this game. He only gives up two hits. Uh, no earned runs, a walk, and only three strikeouts. Again, he's not a bad pitcher, but for you to look like that against him, I think that's the key. This lineup against Tyler Anderson should not be getting shut out and having these innings where by the time I get back from a walk uh, to my driveway that they're already done. That is what was frustrating. Don't get me wrong. Again, Tyler Anderson, right? Good pitcher. Julio Arias, good pitcher. They have good guys on this team. I respect that. It's just that with all the additions you made, it's not the type of team, especially with Juan Soto on your team, who, don't get me wrong, hasn't been bad, right? He did draw two walks in this game. Didn't get any hits, but did draw two walks, as he always does, right? For you to have this, it's it's pretty rough. Manny didn't really show up for the series. He's quietly uh, been in a bit of a slump, uh, which is forgiven because when you consider just how good he's been all year, a fringe MVP-type type candidate, especially based on how he finishes, but... For the month of July, he hit 202 with a 279 on base, 415 slugging. And in August through eight games, 241, 324, 448. So he has not been performing like an MVP. He has not been performing like a top third baseman. I have exactly zero concerns about it. But let's let's start seeing something, right? Let's see something against San Francisco. I would have liked it in this series. And as Machado was asked about the series and if whether or not they're worried, you know, about the the Dodgers and all this stuff, and whether that they could beat the Dodgers, he said, "No way, I'm Manny bleaking. I'm bleeping Manny Machado. That's who I am. I'm I'm Manny freaking Machado." Elite quote. And by the way, just tie a little tangent. Uh, tangent. This is why we do those those post game interviews. Yes, the questions can be dumb, like the one to Nick Castellanos. And yes, it is also true that players will cool themselves off. So it just kind of has to be this way. I can get on my soapbox about media relations with players and how that whole thing works later. But this is what you live for right here. Manny Machado going out there. I was ready to run through a brick wall. Does it look silly? Obviously. But I don't care. And I don't care if it gets thrown back in our face later. I appreciate him being, like, showing a little bit of emotion in this. Should more emotion losing tragically like this than Eric Hosmer ever did, apparently. Just, just, just saying. Just saying, maybe he did. Maybe he did. Uh, don't get me wrong. Emotions can be weird. Everyone processes their losses and grief differently. But damn, Eric Osmer. I wish I could have seen it once from you. Sheesh. This one instance from Machado is more I've seen from Eric Osmer in like five years. Aside from when he got asked if, about the trade rumors. That was the only time he got passionate about something and seemed to care. But anyway. Yeah, that's right. I'm still throwing some shots, guys. Because I'm going to be doing an Eric Osmer episode tomorrow, too. Or Wednesday. Probably Wednesday. So yeah, it was it was a rough series from that respect. Um, Darvish was solid yet again, so that's really con- um, encouraging. But even still, uh, that's kind of the big takeaway from this series is that they just they didn't seem ready, right? And if at best you can view it as a humbling series, right? They have the Giants upcoming, which don't get me wrong, I won't call a terrible team, um, but they're certainly not what they were last year, and they're certainly not a team that you should look at as being like, oh no. Then you've got the Washington Nationals, which is a three-game set that I will be at the Saturday game, actually, so that should be fun. Maybe if you guys want me to ask Juan Soto any questions, I will, of course, do that. Please, please do send them. Guys, you could also send questions whenever. At me on Twitter, Javapeno, at LO underscore Padres. Send podcast reviews. You can send comments in the YouTube, say, hey, this is for a mailbag or whatever. Go ahead and ask stuff. Feel free to do that. 
They've got the series against the Nationals, and then they've got the Marlins, who, if I'm not mistaken, they just can't hit. <laughs> Let me tell you, man, the friggin' the Miami Marlins, uh, they just they just can't hit. The Nationals can't do anything, and the Marlins can't hit. So that's a series that they did struggle against uh, the Marlins a little bit last year. They got some unlucky umpiring stuff, but even still, they should be able to beat them. Then they have the Nationals again for four games set after that. Then they play Cleveland, who's pretty good. Then the Royals, and then the Giants to close out August, right? So they don't have to worry about some gauntlet upcoming. This is the time to win. Because next month, you've got the Dodgers twice. You've actually got the Dodgers three times, my mistake. And then you've also got the Mariners for two. And you've also got the Cardinals for three. And even the Rockies aren't too bad, right? I think that the Rockies can be a tough series every now and then. You're playing at Colorado. And then you have one final game against the White Sox. So next month could be a little bit tricky. So you got to start winning now. Show that these additions that you made to the team are not going to be for nothing and that you're going to go into the playoffs and show the world what San Diego is capable of. I am in such a weird mood today. Let me tell you guys. Um, in terms of other news, that's basically it. Um, I know that some people have been asking me about the bullpen. Uh, and again, I've addressed that before. I think that the bullpen with Josh Hader, especially uh, can be greatly improved. And I also think that in general, their bullpen isn't that bad. So yeah, that's the only interesting thing that happened, right? With the Padres. That's, that's basically it. Oh, wait, that's right. Last thing, guys, Fernando Tatis Jr. began his rehab assignment. How awesome is that? Um, however, before you guys freak out, before you guys are saying, oh, my God, he's going to be back, I would temper my expectations based on what we've heard coming out of Padres camp and media that, yes, they want they have begun his rehab assignment, which is great. But Bob Melvin said Sunday that he believes Tatis uh, is on track for a mid-August-ish return. AJ Casavell of MLB.com reporting on that. And considering that Melvin basically hadn't given any timetable before now, I think that we can look at that. But even mid-August, I remember people were saying right after the the All-Star break, right? I remember people were saying June. I remember that. They were saying like late June. Well, that didn't happen. Clearly, it didn't progress at a super fast rate. But I know the Padres, they're taking care with him. He had a dumb mistake. I get it. But you got you to gotta monitor this situation well. Hopefully he'll be back soon. But again, since it's not crazy series coming, take your time in AAA. Get a little bit of the bat going. Get a little bit of that pizzazz going. Recover your mojo. Because Tatis, like, it's been a while. I freaking miss the guy. <laughs> like, I miss seeing him in the clubhouse and seeing that energy. So hopefully when he comes back, that will really spark the team and really complete the Death Star of a lineup, right? With Profar to top things off as a little appetizer. You know what I mean? He's the guy that you ha- he's the hash browns. Maybe. maybe maybe you're a biscuit guy. I mean, I have a lot of biscuits lately. Got to chill out with that. There's zucchini biscuits that I have that are totally fine, but I got to chill out with the other ones. And then you're probably going to have Juan Soto because he's on base machine, right? You want to have someone who's going to at least get on base, even if he does have a lot of power. Then who do you have after that? Maybe Fernando Tatis. You could also put Tatis at the top of the lineup. I don't know. It's going to be really fun to see that murderer's row of Tatis, Soto, Machado, right? Not to mention Josh Bell, not to mention Profar, who's pretty good, and not to mention Brandon Drury. So, guys, remember it's still early. You have to keep the faith always. And remember that there's some really tough teams coming up. So get ready for some fireworks. Get ready for some fireworks. I think it's going to be fun. I have my confidence in this team after their moves has not been shaken. Although, guys, it is a reminder. This is baseball. No one-man show. You need a lot of depth. You need a lot in order to win. So there's still a long way ahead. And I'll hope to be uh, accompanying you 
on that long journey, guys. Because with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pot that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. I'm accepting all sorts of mailbag potential questions at LO underscore Padres as well. And then Lockdown Padres on YouTube if you want to see my sweet Cowboy Bebop shirt. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.